president is taking troops out of Syria because he's tired of endless wars. Endless wars, endless wars. They don't stop. They don't stop. They go on forever. We become policemen. Because he wants to bring our soldiers back home. American combat troops should not be at the center of ancient sectarian conflicts all over the world. Bring our soldiers back home. Bring our soldiers back home. Because this isn't our war to fight. If you look at other countries, Russia, China, they don't have countries to take care of. We have, we're close to 90 countries in one form or another. We're in 90 countries all over the world policing, and frankly, many of those countries, they don't respect what we're doing, they don't even like what we're doing, and they don't like us. But now, it looks like they're not coming home at all. The the current game plan is for those forces to reposition into western Iraq, and then to uh, two missions. One is to help defend Iraq, and two is to perform a counter-ISIS mission as we sort through the next steps. United States troops are being pulled out of Syria and sent to Iraq to continue fighting an endless war, but also to help fight ISIS. Even though the troop withdrawal in Syria might actually help ISIS in that country. And if you're having trouble wrapping your head around that, just wait until you hear about Saudi Arabia. In response to the kingdom's request, the president has approved the deployment of U.S. forces, which will be defensive in nature and primarily focused on air and missile defense. We will also work to accelerate the delivery of military equipment to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the UAE to enhance their ability to defend themselves. So the Pentagon announced that it was going to be deploying an additional 1,800 troops to Saudi Arabia. Um, Defense Secretary Mark Esper announced that he had ordered the deployment of two additional fighter squadrons and support personnel, including two batteries of soldiers, Patriot air defense missile systems, and another army unit. Um, So far, 3,000 troops in total have been sent to Saudi Arabia since these attacks that happened last month on Saudi Arabia's oil facilities, which is why U.S. troops are going there now. Jen Williams is one of the hosts of Vox's Worldly podcast. I asked her to explain why the United States is ramping up in Saudi Arabia while it's shipping out of Syria. And she says it goes back to about a month ago. So if you remember uh, last month, there were these attacks on two separate Saudi oil facilities. More than 20 drones attacked the world's largest oil processing facility in Saudi Arabia and a major oil field, sparking massive fires. Flames seen here glowing Saturday. The smoke billowing in these satellite images. The U.S. and multiple European countries have all basically said that they found that Iran was behind those attacks. This was Iran true and true, and the United States will respond in a way that reflects that act of war by this Iranian revolutionary regime. So when it happened, it caused this you know, immediate spike in, in oil prices. It was this really big kind of panic. People were like, oh no, you know, Saudi produces a lot of oil for the global market. So it was really disruptive. And you know, it was part of this kind of broader issue of, of Iran kind of acting out in in the region after the withdrawal of the U.S. from the Iran deal, right? So it was part of this whole U.S.-Saudi-Iran drama that was going on in the region. But how exactly does the U.S. get roped into sending troops to Saudi Arabia? There are other ways to help, right? 
you might remember there was a lot of talk about, like, is the U.S. going to attack Iran in response? And people were saying, you know, well, that doesn't make sense. We're not technically allies with Saudi Arabia right. in any formal sense. So, like, why do we have to attack Iran? They didn't hit us. They hit Saudi Arabia. So the solution, basically, that the Trump administration came up with was, look, we'll send you some additional troops to secure those oil facilities. The idea basically being uh, that, you know, if you have U.S. forces at these really critical Saudi facilities and Iran knows the U.S. forces are there, it's a deterrent to Iran because Iran's not going to go, ideally, bombing these places if they know they're going to potentially hit U.S. forces because that would mean then you did actually – hit the U.S., and now you're going to start a war with the United States. It's kind of like a tripwire almost. Basically. Sounds very comparable to the U.S. troops who were stationed in northeastern Syria that were preventing Turkey from entering the country. Right, yeah. Wherever you have U.S. troops, people tend to pay attention because, you know, if you launch a military attack, you're going to hit the United States and poke the bear, so to speak. So that's kind of what we do for our allies, or at least we used to, to have our troops there to make sure that other countries don't attack. That's why U.S. troops are in South Korea. So this is obviously extra confusing because the Kurds were our allies. Right. And we're not doing this for them, but we are doing it for Saudi Arabia. Right. How exactly does the president justify that? So it doesn't really make sense, right? If you're thinking about America first, the idea of pulling troops out of the Middle East, like that makes sense. But well, then why are we putting troops back in somewhere else for this other Middle Eastern country? Right. And, you know, the short answer is Saudi Arabia apparently agreed to pay us. What? Uh, Yeah, to pay for this troop deployment. Uh, They've agreed to pay for the cost of those troops. They've agreed to pay fully for the cost of everything we're doing over there. That's something you have never heard before, I think, as long as you've been standing out there. I think the media has never heard that before. Uh, But uh, Saudi Arabia has graciously agreed to pay for the full cost of everything we're doing for them. What's the rate? (laughs) I'm not sure what the going rate is. It's usually like a reimbursement. Huh. This is actually kind of pretty normal, especially when it comes to Saudi Arabia. Um, Saudi Arabia helped foot the bill for Operation Desert Storm. Remember back in the 90s when the U.S. uh, sent troops to Saudi Arabia and, you know, to Kuwait to help push Iraq back out of Kuwait. We were getting paid for that by Saudi Arabia? Yeah, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and a couple other countries uh, agreed to to reimburse us for that operation. And they did to the tune of billions of dollars. Um, They're also, you may remember that the U.S. is assisting Saudi Arabia in its war in Yemen by doing things like aerial refueling, so helping them refuel their planes in the air, things like that. And we're getting paid for that, too? Yeah, they're also, like, Congress's, the DOD and Congress have sent Saudi Arabia a bill saying you got to reimburse us for that. So that's actually pretty normal. Even in places like South Korea, where we have U.S. military bases, you've heard Trump actually complain that they're not paying enough, um, but they foot the bill for a lot of the costs of actually running the bases, things hmm. like that. So it's actually pretty standard. It's just not the way we tend to think about it that, like, only if you will pay me will I protect you. Right. And the Kurds didn't have money. Like, Saudi Arabia has a lot of oil money, but the Syrian Kurds that we were allied with, we were allied with them for a different reason. They were giving us something else instead of money. They were fighting ISIS for us, and that was the trade-off. We'll protect you from Turkey if you fight ISIS for us. How does Congress feel about this? Nancy Pelosi just the other day in that meeting she had at the White House with Trump and some of his senior aides, there was that famous picture of her kind of standing up and scolding Donald Trump around this big table you might have seen on the Internet. Mm -hmm. But at one point during that meeting, she did say, you're super excited to pull U.S. troops out of Syria. 
because of this America first thing. My question to him was, is Saudi Arabia home? Is Saudi Arabia home? Why are our troops going to Saudi Arabia if you promised to bring them home? And apparently Trump just got really mad and called her nasty names and the whole meeting blew up and she walked out. You know, so Congress is aware of this, right? And plenty of Democrats are probably asking similar questions. But the U.S. has already been helping Saudi Arabia with its war in Yemen. You know, we have all these agreements for, like, basically counterterrorism sharing kind of agreements and training agreements that we do with all sorts of countries where we send troops. I get that we have these counterterrorism agreements, but it feels like we have similar agreements and interests in Syria. So who benefits more here, Saudi Arabia or the United States? Well, it's definitely Saudi Arabia, but it's really not that different, honestly, than previous U.S. administrations. I mean, the U.S. has kind of always had this weird relationship with Saudi Arabia. You know, again, we sent troops in in the 90s to help protect Saudi Arabia against, you know, aggression from Iraq. When Iraq invaded Kuwait, Saudi was like, "Uh uh-oh, we're probably next. Yeah. And so we sent troops there to help. We, again, you know, under the Obama administration, it was President Obama who agreed to help the Saudi war effort in Yemen, right? It wasn't Trump. So it's actually pretty normal from a U.S. foreign policy standpoint for the U.S. militarily to help out Saudi Arabia or to work with Saudi Arabia. thing. That's actually one of the most normal things that Trump has done. What's different in particular with Trump is is kind of what happened in Syria, right? We are actually more used to seeing U.S. troops being sent to places in the Middle East to, to help out allies or to, you know, shore up oil facilities or to push back against Iran. What you're not used to seeing is people pulling troops out, right? Yeah. So Trump sending troops to Saudi Arabia is not that surprising. It's surprising for Trump, maybe, because, you know, America first, I want to end U.S. wars in the Middle East. But he's kind of getting a good deal out of it, right? Like, as long as they pay for it. You know, U.S. soldiers probably aren't going to be actually directly in harm's way in, like, any real sense in Saudi Arabia. Um, It's not like, you know, in Afghanistan where they're getting shot at or bombed, like, every day. So it's a relatively safe deployment compared to some other areas, right? And, you know, in return, the U.S. doesn't have to start a war with Iran, Right. Because remember, this is essentially the reason that Trump sent these troops to Saudi Arabia. Right. So there was this attack by Iran on the Saudi oil facilities. Everyone was like, oh, you're going to have to bomb Iran. And Trump being Trump was like, I really do not want to start another war in the Middle East. So instead of doing that, instead of bombing Iran in response, he did what. I would say it's probably a much more reasonable, you know, policy response, which is to send a few thousand troops to Saudi Arabia, tell Saudi Arabia, look, we're going to send you some forces. They're going to protect your oil facilities. It's going to be okay. And that way, like, we didn't have to start this big old war with Iran, right? So so that does make sense in some ways, right? Right. But how does it look to be saying, we're going to pull our troops out of Syria because we've been here long enough. And at the same time, we're going to send a bunch of troops to Saudi Arabia because they're paying us. What impression does that leave the region and maybe just on a slightly broader scale, the world? Yeah, it definitely doesn't look great, right? Uh, So if I'm a world leader kind of looking at at Trump's decisions here in Syria and in Saudi Arabia and comparing them, my first response would probably be Trump is just doing whatever the hell he wants, right? It's impulsive. It doesn't seem like it's actually being driven by some broader strategic plan. Like, oh, well, these guys will pay us, so that's cool. We'll do that. But these guys aren't, and I don't see a point over there, so let's leave. Rather than looking at, like, the Middle East and our geopolitical kind of strategy more broadly and going, okay, does this make sense for the long-term goals that we have? Because if you think about it, remember, we're supposed to be 
carrying out this maximum pressure strategy towards Iran. Those are the administration's words. And we're supposed to be putting pressure on Iran through these like really harsh economic sanctions, um, but also through pushing back Iran on the ground in various countries where they're active. So Iraq, Syria. Remember, Iran has troops on the ground and proxy forces on the ground in Syria defending Bashar al-Assad. And that group is also aligned with Russia. So by pulling the U.S. troops out of that part of Syria, the Kurds then made a pact. They made a deal with Assad, who, again, is backed by Iran, to you know ally and basically said, OK, Assad, your forces can come in and protect us because the Americans left and we need protection against Turkey. Yeah. Right. Well, that gives Iran more of a foothold in Syria than they already had. So, yeah, you're pushing back Iran in, in Saudi Arabia by sending these troops and saying, hey, don't attack these oil facilities. But then you're giving them more room to to cause chaos in Syria? Like, it just doesn't make sense strategically. It's like a very schizophrenic policy because it's not being looked at as a holistic grand strategy in the way that you would hope that a leader and the commander-in-chief would do. Now, President Obama got a lot of criticism for handling the Middle East piecemeal like this and saying there wasn't a grand strategy. That was one of the biggest critiques of the Obama administration's policy in the Middle East was that it was very just like one-on-one, like we will do this in Libya, we will intervene in Libya, we will not intervene over here, we will do this, and that there wasn't a grand strategy. And you're seeing the same kind of thing with Trump, right? You're seeing that it's based on his kind of gut reaction and not – a well-thought-out policy. I don't know if that's surprising to anyone at this point. I'm pretty sure world leaders are pretty clear that he's not a strategic master. But there's another thing, too, especially related to, you know, Saudi Arabia and Turkey. You know, he made this decision to pull U.S. troops out of out of northeastern Syria, basically on a phone call with President Recep Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey. Yeah. And he's been kind of repeating Turkish talking points ever since and basically saying, like, Everything that Turkey is saying, well, this this ceasefire that they announced is holding and Turkey totally wants this and the Kurds are really happy. Like none of that is true. You know, it's just mm-hmm. what Turkey wants. Erdogan is getting everything he wants from Trump. So Saudi Arabia just got what they wanted from Trump because of money. Turkey got it for whatever reason. So if I'm a world leader, I'm seeing, you know, looking at this and seeing that Trump is really easy to manipulate. If you're a strong dictator, if you have money, if your goals happen to coincide with Trump's, or maybe even if they don't, you can probably talk Trump into it if you just say the right things and convince him. And that's what's really scary to me out of all of this is that you could actually, if you're the president, you could turn to your CIA director, you could turn to your intelligence community and ask them these questions like, what will pulling U.S. troops out of Syria do with respect to Iran? How does this fit with our Iran policy? Does this make sense sending these U.S. troops to Saudi Arabia? Does this make sense in terms of wanting to pull out of the Middle East, right? Like, he can make these calculated decisions, but there's no sense that that's happening. He's just doing what he thinks is the right thing in any given second, in large part based on being influenced by these dictators. And that's really scary if that's how U.S. foreign policy is being made on a whim and because a dictator talked Trump into it, like, that's not how we're supposed to operate as the most powerful military in the world. Jen Williams is the foreign editor at Vox.com. I'm Sean Ramos from This is Today Explained.
you're ever listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I love this podcast, but they kind of only do one story a day. I wish they did a couple more quick hits on stuff I also need to know about. There's another podcast you can check out. It's called Need to Know from the people at Cheddar. Need to Know has like a two in the middle instead of a T-O. So just so you know, it's Need to Know with a two. They do the news, but like in a bit less time and a couple more stories every day, Monday through Friday. And uh, you can find their show right now wherever you find your podcasts. Bye.